I believe that every one of us can create beautiful images, feel fulfilled and improve our well-being through photography. The Quiet Landscapes podcast explores the life and work of photographers, creatives and thought leaders through monthly conversations that will inspire you. My name is Margaret Soraya and I'm so glad that you are here. Hello and welcome to the new episode of Quiet Landscapes podcast and today I've got Anna Deacon with me. Anna is a photographer, she's an author, she's a wild swimmer and but basically she's a passion for telling people's stories and this is what she does really, really well. So today we're going to get into that a little bit more. So um, hello Anna, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. So Anna, can you just tell us a little background about your photography career? So how you've pivoted over the years and what, how you've come to um, be producing the books that you're producing and where you started in photography? So I always loved doing photography. I, my grandmother was a photographer and um, she was quite pioneering in the 50s as, as, a, as a wedding and lifestyle photographer, essentially. Um, and she was always very inspiring to me. So she sort of taught me from bit, very young and, and really encouraged me and taught me all about sort of, you know, composition and looking for the, the, the right framing and things like that. And um, so over the years, it was always just a real passion of mine, just a real hobby. Um, and I worked in the music industry for quite a long time uh, down in London. And when... I had my first child uh, when I was pregnant with her. I just knew that going back to work in in my old job would have just been, I couldn't keep it going. So um, I looked into photography and I thought, this is something I've always wanted to do, but didn't sort of find the time. So I'm going to really pick up my camera and and study it passionately, which I did. And I started uh, just taking pictures for friends and just taking pictures all the time with my baby in a sling and and then it sort of just grew from there so I did a lot of family photography did a few weddings you know over the years and um quite a few sort of more commercial things um but in between all of that I was always photographing landscapes and nature and things that I really loved so there was always two sides to my work. There was the sort of people, which I, I love meeting people and photographing them. But the stuff that I really enjoyed was when I was outdoors and I was photographing things that, that got me really passionate, you know, beautiful sunrises or backlit, you know, branches of trees or whatever it might be in that moment. But obviously never did anything with them. And, and, um, and then I got to a point about three years ago where I just had way too much work and had a massive burnout, just had to cancel everything. Um, and I stopped for taking any pictures and then I just felt even worse. And I was like, what's happening to me? I'm kind of losing my mind here. So I thought, oh, I'm going to start taking pictures, but not for anyone else. I'm going to go back to just doing my own thing. And, um, I started taking pictures of wild swimmers because wild swimming is something I love to do. And I was meeting all these great people. And the more I sort of chatted to them, the more I found that they had really interesting stories and uh, the reasons why they were coming to the water. So I started just taking portraits and then just asking them one or two questions about themselves and their stories. 
and I started an Instagram account as somewhere to put them and um, it just kind of grew from there. I got introduced to Vicky through a friend and she said, oh, there's a writer uh, I think you should meet. She's into wild swimming. Maybe you could even do a book together. And uh, so I met Vicky and we did hit it off immediately. We had a couple of swims and a few coffees and we said, well, why don't we do a book? You know, I can do the pictures, you can do the words, we can work on it together. And and we went and we got a deal. And within a year, the book was on the shelves. So it was quite a quick transition. Um, and it, it became, you know, my healing process of of stopping all the commercial stuff and just doing this thing that I loved quickly became now what I do. So I've now had two books out and I've got another two coming and it's it's, it's been a very interesting change of career. Anyway, that was a long, um, long reply to a question there. But now you know. <laughs> That's amazing. That's uh, it's uh, it's amazing how what so when you just start doing something and whether it's from when it's from the heart. So should we say? So because you had the the burnout, which I totally understand because I'm going through that just now myself. Um, and it is good to just stop and just reassess. Um, and then the things that you start doing during that process when you've stopped come from a place of well, it's just you're doing it because you find joy in it. You find whatever you find in it, you, you enjoy doing it. And when things come from the heart like that, they, they evolve into something that's, that can be quite powerful because you're actually, you're aligning yourself to, to what you, what you love in life, aren't you? Whereas I think when we work in the commercial world, we're often just working for, well, for, for monetary reward, which is um, a fact of life. Um, but often it's it's really nice to have the opportunity to, opportunity, there's opportunity in burnout. Is that what I'm trying to say? <laughs> but there is opportunity, isn't there? Because um, it's fantastic to hear that. And another thing I just have to say quickly is that your your path is very similar to mine because it's when I had my second child that I decided to start up the family um wedding business as well so it was that that again that opportunity because we'd stopped working um, and having that break and thinking doing something new but things evolve don't they so it's really lovely to to hear that you've found your place um and i'd really like to get into the um the bit about healing healing um what's what's the tagline on taking the plunge Take, taking the plunge is the book i was actually in it wasn't I? I think it was two years ago um what's the tagline on it uh, the healing power of wild swimming for mind body and soul I'm glad I got that right <laughs> I suddenly had a moment of thinking what is it again <laughs> I was just thinking that I was wondering yeah. if you could remember um I'd really like to um to dive into that more because I wild so I've been wild swimming for maybe uh 10 years now like maybe nine or ten years and I'm not a serious, well, it sounds really like fancy, doesn't it? It's like you're, you're plowing across the sea, <laughs> but we're not. We're sometimes we're just dipping. And actually we were chatting about this earlier. Um, that you don't actually like going out for your depth, do you? No, no, I'm quite, I'm actually quite a nervous swimmer. I mean, I've always loved the water, but I've got a, you know, a lot of fear around the water and, um, you know, I guess that kind of adds to the excitement factor as well. But I really don't like going out of my depth. I don't have enough confidence in my ability to um, to feel safe when I do that. And I do do it, but I don't enjoy it. Um, and I, d- I definitely I don't go for distance swims. I'm definitely in it just for the, you know, the cold water and the just the thrill of being out in nature and 
you know, having a chat with a friend or going for a swim by myself and just, you know, feeling at one with the landscape without sounding too sort of, you know, like a hippie. But I just love being on that level of water where the birds sort of, they just don't care that you're there and they swim right by you. And, you know, just it's, I feel like um, I'm being held by the water. I feel inspired visually. I always wish I had my camera in with me because I just, see things in you know in squares as you as you do <laughs> as a photographer you're constantly thinking oh, this and that look at the light here and but you know that's a good process for me like to be inspired constantly by being in the water that's a, that's a good place I feel good when I'm being inspired um, it's when I don't have anything to inspire me that I just start to feel a bit flat yeah I think we all need that don't we (laughs) and but that's a really nice thing for I think for people to hear Um, I was swimming with a lady um, a couple of weeks ago in 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 Nairn um, and swimming is not really the word for it because she's completely new to it so she just was walking in and she said I don't really know what I'm supposed to do and and it's like you don't have to swim you can just stand just start just and she was like this is amazing and so she was standing there just embracing being in the water and that experience it's it's you can't really describe it but it's hard to describe until you actually do it it just blows you away doesn't it that that feeling of being outdoors and um I do think that a lot of people feel pressure that they need to be swimming a distance but actually when we're talking about the healing power of of swimming um it's just being in the water so so what I'd say to everybody here is that um if you're wanting to try it you don't have to swim. You can you can just lie. You can just walk, um, and you can just chat. So I think that's really nice for people to hear, Anna. Um, so do you, do you think that um, you know the stories that were in this book? They were very very powerful. In in that um, there was a lot of people with a lot of um, well being issues. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about that? The sort of people that you were interviewing. Yeah, I think well, one of the things that Vicky and I discussed when we first met um was you know how the water helped us um and for me a lot of the time it was a a balm for sort of anxiety and stress um and also for I get sciatica and I saw joints and I find that going down into the water it's like you know how athletes have an ice bath when when they've done something you know like a marathon or something like that it's a known healing process right so the the cold water has the same effect for me I go down sometimes I'm so sore that I really struggle to walk down to the beach go for my swim and I just walk home like totally fine it doesn't last for that long but it lasts for long enough for me to feel great in that moment and I think you know that for me was really powerful and then starting to share that with people I found other people were getting the same sort of relief from physical pain Vicky sadly lost her brother quite suddenly and for her the swimming was about getting through her grief so we really looked into the whole um, way that people use wild swimming as a way to work through the grieving process Um, so for us that was our our starting points Um, and actually sadly during the you know the process of the book um the day before the book came out I lost my granny the photographer I talked about at the beginning um she died in my arms and um 
the day before the book came out. And I found that that whole process for me, that deep, deep grieving, I would go to the sea and it would just be the place where I could just cry and no one could see me and I could just, you know, kind of just put my head under or just feel like I had an escape. And, it, you know, anyway, so we found lots of people who were going through deep grieving processes. We have a whole chapter on grief and we have a whole chapter on body image. You know, lots of people who felt, um, you know, myself included, going to a swimming pool. The thought of going to a swimming pool, putting a costume on and walking out in front of people was just so terrifying. But yet people were kind of finding this kind of joy and release of going swimming outdoors and not really caring what they look like because the whole thing was just so fun and exciting and and nobody cares what you look like, you know, and you're just having fun and that's all people see. Um, so we've got a whole chapter on sort of accepting yourself and, and you know, a chapter on community, but we've got a chapter on physical pain and we've got a chapter on mental health and a chapter on mindfulness. And these are all really key topics that came through all the way through the book. Um, people who had just found that being in the water in one way or another was helping them to cope with whatever life was dealing them. Incredible. That's It's incredible the range of um, help it can give to people. And I, I understand that myself. I started wild swimming because of my migraines originally. And um, I actually had a, a, a migraine yesterday and I was like, I've just got to get in the water. I've <laughs> got to get in the water. And um, I did. And I came out and I was fine after I was buzzing after so it does it does work it's not when it's not when it's full-blown migraine I have to say but when it's kind of like on the edges um but it you know it's helped me over the years and actually that's transferred now into strangely enough with my long COVID it's transferred into my lungs so I don't get so many migraines but my my lungs are, uh, are more painful now but when I get into the water I don't feel it and they, I do tend to feel a little bit better after um but also with the the mental well-being at the moment i think we're all i'm not alone in struggling um, through lockdown and all the the associated things that come with it um and i think that for the mental well-being it's it's huge it's massive you you get in there and you think you, your endorphins just kick in don't they there's something there's something about it and you're just in that moment it's being in that moment isn't it because you can't be anywhere else when you when you're in cold water there's nowhere else that you can be you have to be right there and um i think that it's so powerful so the book the taking the plunge book i would recommend it highly to everybody because it's not just a book of images of people swimming it goes far deeper than that and it's very very interesting um one thing i do remember reading is guy jim guy martin he he He's broken like loads of bones in his body with his racing. And he has a, um, I don't know what he has, a swimming pool, I think, in his back garden. <laughs> and he puts ice in it. I was considering doing that during, during last year, actually. I was thinking, what can we build <laughs> just to get in? <laughs> yeah, I've been seeing people um, dunking in the wheelie bins. I, I really don't fancy doing that at all. It just doesn't, just doesn't, doesn't quite do it for me. Um, anyway, so can you tell me a little bit about the book, um, creating process because it sounds very fancy it sounds very easy it sounds like you're you're published now and it's on the shelves and you've got all these other books but I know I'm, I'm sure I know that it wasn't that easy can you tell us some of the the difficulties of um 
of doing doing the books and um, how long it took you, etc. I think it's really good to get an idea from, for, you know, of the actual reality of doing these projects. Mm, well, taking the plunge, I had quite a lot of material before the book deal. So, you know, in a sense, it, it, it was a great book to work on. We had no lockdown restrictions. Vicky and I, you know, we, we would go off, we did a few trips and met some really inspiring people. And it was just so fun. And we absolutely loved it. And I, I, I this great, you know, to think, oh, I, I need to go and photograph this person in a beautiful location and swim with them because that's my job. And it just felt like such a, yeah, this is brilliant. I'm doing all the things I love all at once. Um, and I would take my camera into the water with me because often the, you know, the, the angle that I'd need to get to would be in the water rather than on the bank um so it was it was quite fun and slightly risky because I don't have waterproof housing um so <laughs> just be like there's a wave hold my camera up and just hope that it doesn't get it um anyway but that was all quite fun and then we got a second book deal um because Vicky had had this idea about doing a book about the relationships that people have with trees specifically um and again, a very sort of a different book entirely from Taking a Plunge, which was quite community based. This one was quite individual. So individual stories. It was much more um, of a complex book to work on. Um, and then we got into lockdown. So I had two weeks of shooting for the book and then lockdown until deadline. Uh, I think I had, yeah, I had a week at the end of lockdown where I, I whizzed down south because the book covered the whole of the UK. I had to whiz down south and do some pictures um, there to finish off before the deadline. But it was crazy. And we only had six months to work on the book. And so most of the portraits in the book I took within five miles of my house. So I would walk to somewhere with trees and meet someone and photograph them. You've got to think the book's 256 pages long there's at least two pictures on every page. How, how do you make one picture look different from another when essentially all the pictures are of a person with a tree? So you could imagine the, the challenge as a photographer to try and create a huge coffee table book without being able to actually go anywhere with forests. I mean, I'm, I live in a city. So it was it was tough. We had to buy in pictures. We had to use other people's pictures, which was a shame for me because I would have liked to have taken them all myself. Um, but it's just what we had to do. But at the very end, I got to go down and meet Chris Packham at his house um, and go for a lovely walk in the woods with him and meet his favourite tree and photograph him there. And that was a, a lovely highlight at the very end. But it was hard that was a really hard project to work on and I'm really proud of it but I think nobody really understands how hard it was to get that book out it was like having a very difficult second labor <laughs> after after a relatively easy one the first time round. if that makes sense yeah amazing that's <laughs> brilliant so so um what what are you working on now then so we were asked to write a swimming guidebook of locations and uh, by our publishers. And we were a bit un unsure about it because there's a lot of controversy about 
revealing swimming locations within the swimming community and within the wider tourism community. You know, some places that have been over-publicised have then become spoiled and um, the fairy pools in sky such a stunning place but just busloads of people going in all the time and leaving litter and not looking after the landscape um, and there's so many places that have been destroyed that way so we really weren't sure about the idea but then we thought about it and we thought why don't we create um, a, a sort of like a how-to guide to wild swimming and with the locations, we will ask people who live in those areas. So we have local guides to areas throughout Scotland and England and Wales where we've invited people to come and tell their, a little bit of their story, like in Taking the Plunge, and then share with us their three sort of locations that they love near their home. So it's it's getting local knowledge. We've deliberately left out places that we feel couldn't handle visitors uh some of the most secret places we think should stay secret we we really believe that uh places that are harder to access places that are you know have a delicate ecosystem or or a small community that we just don't think they they should be uh in a book i think they should be discovered uh, slightly by accident or you know by by people who are really going on a journey and looking at their map and trying to find a new adventure rather than just sort of just rocking up and, and, you know, looking in a book. Um, anyway, so that's what we're working on just now. And um, obviously, again, lockdown in Scotland, we're still here. I'm relying on people giving me their pictures. So I'm curating other people's images and I'm shooting, obviously, some pictures for it as well. But, you know, I'm having to work in a very different way. Um, so it's not as creative for me, but I'm still really enjoying the process and I'm loving meeting all the people virtually and um, hearing their stories again. You know, why do they swim? What What's the swimming like in their area? And just bringing that all together. And hopefully we're going to create these books that are full of the joy of the swimming community um, and beautiful locations, but locations that can handle visitors so that's that's what we're trying to achieve with this book and so they're both out in October. Oh fantastic I'll look forward to that um, I, I think you've got it was it's a really difficult thing isn't it um, yeah guiding people to where to, where to swim because you, you'd asked me to do the, the Loch Ness part and one of the places that I swim in Loch Ness is um, quite hard to access in fact it's very very hard to access um, but in the summer months and I, I tend to swim there because it's very peaceful and it's, it's just beautiful I love it and it's quite sheltered um, but it's um, in the winter there's, there's nobody there but in the summer months somehow people find the way down there and I don't I don't know how they do it um, but they do and there's often tents down there which I don't mind it's fine um, but the problem is that they they leave um, like gla there's glass, broken glass down there. There's beer bottles. There's cap. Sometimes they leave the tents down there, and I think that's an awful shame, isn't it? Why, why, you know, why do people do that? Because otherwise, it would be fine to camp down there. Um, but I now take a bag down with me in the summer and just bring back as much as I can because we don't want to be stepping on <laughs> broken bottles either when we're going to these lochs. So it is very difficult, isn't it? But at the same time, we want to. We want to encourage people into the water, don't we? And this, as we're saying, it's so it's so good for people that um, we want to encourage more people in probably safely and respectfully is the answer, isn't it? Yes. I mean, we're, we're 
speaking to people in the book about things like river conservation, about beach cleans, about how to be a respectful wild swimmer. And I think it's really important. Pretty much every wild swimmer that I've ever met is passionate about the environment that absolutely loves the places that they swim and and never leaves any trace. You know, in fact, most of us like you will go down and beach clean or clean up where we go and make sure that we leave the place better than we found it. And most swimmers that I've ever come across have that mental, you know, um, that that way of thinking about it and and we want it to be lovely. And that's partly why people are reluctant to share their locations because, you know, what we don't want is is all the litter and, and the loud music and the disrespect and people cutting down trees to make fires and crazy things that people are doing. And I do think a lot of it's because of lockdown. A lot of it's because we can't travel. You know, these beautiful spaces that we love are being overused and overpopulated and every possible green space or blue space everyone's coming to it and that's because what else can we do at the moment you know and unfortunately it just takes a few people to ruin it for everybody else and I think you know that's that is just something hopefully people will learn um you know not to do that and eventually you know it just it's a shame that it takes people like us to have to clean up after people who are disrespectful, but you know, you're going to get that anywhere you go. Yeah. It's just life, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, It's just the way it works. Yeah. So um, just, just really briefly touching on what you said earlier about your, your camera. And I, I remember meeting you um, and you, you just waded in with you. I think it was in, was it Nikon? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Um, but (laughs) I kind of understand that because I used to do, I used to take my camera out on my paddleboard and not, not worry too much um, without any, any protective. Do do you still, so do you still photograph like that? Or do you, do you have a camera that you take into the water as well? Um, Yeah. I mean, I've always, I I think I started doing it because I was um, trying to get certain angles. There's particularly one shoot at the very beginning, before the, before this was a book, I went to Sky and I met uh, a guy called Matt there, who is a swim tour guide, and I and I wanted to photograph him, and he took me to this amazing spot um, with the old man of store behind in this lock, and it was just like ah, but I couldn't get the angle because the bank going down to the lock was like this, so I was it was raining, I was lying on my tummy with my legs up and my camera, and just trying to get the mountains with him in the foreground and the mountains behind. And I, it, just, it just didn't work. But I couldn't also get in because it was too deep a drop off. So I managed it by hook or by crook, but it was not an easy shoot. Um, and so then I just thought, you know what, I'm going to have to just start going in. And, and also, the, the other side of it is that I like to swim with people. I'm usually shooting in my swimsuit. And I think that's really helped people feel that they can feel, I mean, you're, you're asking someone, can I photograph you in your swimsuit? Which for a lot of people is a really big mental challenge. It's like, ooh, you know, I don't know if I want someone to see me kind of virtually naked, you know. I mean, how am I going to feel about myself in this picture? And so, you know, you're asking someone to be extremely vulnerable with you. Um, so in a way, putting myself in the same position makes people realise that, you know, they can feel a bit more safe with me. Does that make sense? Like I'm swimming too. 
I'm in the water with you. I'm also in my swimsuit. You know, we can have a laugh about this and it's a bit silly. Um, and, you know, I haven't, hopefully, everyone so far has really liked their pictures. And I'm, I always try and be respectful of how people feel about themselves and obviously check with, you know, with people before I put their pictures anywhere. Um, but I think the process of, of being in it with them means I have a better connection. And I think that comes through in the portraits as well. But I don't always shoot like that. I often do have to stand on the shore because of, you know. They are beautiful. Your, your portraits, I've got to say, are beautiful. The ones that you took of me, I was, yeah, I was a little bit self-conscious because I think I just, I go, I go up and down weight a little bit and I think it was on the heavier side at the time. I think I said to you, can I just, can I just be in the water first? Um, but you know, they are absolutely beautiful and they have that quality about them of, you know, a proper camera as opposed to a, a little underwater camera. So I think that, that does, it does make the difference. They are, they're, they're really nice the images. I, I really love the images you took of me against all odds because it was, um, it was absolutely it was not easy, was freezing, it? wasn't it? It was January. It was freezing, but the light was tricky as well. And I mean, I I was nervous photographing you, but as I always am when I got, you know, when I photograph a photographer, which I've done quite a lot now, and um, it always terrifies me because I I think, oh, they're going to think, why is she doing that, or what lens is she using? Why is she doing that strange technique? I've never seen that. You know, you always worry about being judged by you know by your peers, really. Um, but uh, I knew that you'd understand because the light behind you was so strong. The only way I could to do it was to shoot you fairly much in silhouette. It was it was really tricky. But, it, but they were it really was nice. beautiful. And uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think we both were happy in the end. <laughs> yeah, I was just freezing, I think, because I think I went in about five times <laughs> in and yeah, out. I know. I know. <laughs> like really cold now. Um, but no, it was it was really nice to it's really nice to be photographed actually in in, in that as well I, I think that's really nice I'm normally taking selfies of myself because I like to have pictures of myself swimming um and I often do little videos as well but I, I have to put my 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 phone or I usually do it with the phone um as in selfie mode and it's just hit and miss then isn't it you don't really know what you're going to get yeah so um but it's it's quite nice to have pictures of yourself and I think and um, the other thing just just really briefly uh, on the sort of body confidence side of things I think that's what I've really noticed in the world swimming community is that it's so accepting nobody cares um or not cares but you know nobody judges and and I think a lot of people are out there um who wouldn't normally go into swimming pool for instance and it really makes it really helps doesn't it it really helps mm -hmm. you accept yourself when you're amongst this these type of people that are just you know what it is what it is we're doing it and um we're just embracing this and let's go mm -hmm. i think it's fantastic i think it's probably one of the few sports sports uh activities um that that i know of where there's such a, a variety of people who are just so accepting does, does that resonate with you absolutely i mean we we you know we swam with people who were very elderly with kids with people you know with disabilities and you know everybody can do it uh and it is something that you know it, it's just it's just very inclusive I think and you know lots of people when I first wrote the book were saying we oh, never get you never get me doing that are you crazy you're mad you're mad so our little group of swimmers um, at our little beach was about, I don't know, maybe between 20 and 30 regulars on a Sunday, we'd all meet and swim. And sometimes there'd be three people, sometimes there'd be 
30. It depends on the day. There's now in the Facebook group one and a half thousand people in, in a year. That's how much it's grown during this time. And it's so funny because some people who said to me, I will never do that, are now the most passionate swimmers. <laughs> <laughs> and I really enjoy it because I, I kind of sometimes wish I'd recorded them saying I will never, never do that. And then I see them. I'm like, oh, yeah, you remember what you said? Um, That's partly the lockdown effect, isn't it? I think there's there's been a massive growth in the wild swimming, obviously, because everything's been shut. Um, activities are limited, aren't they? So we, we can't access the pools or the, the gyms or w- whatever we would normally do. And um, I, I mean, I think our pool was open for a wee while last year, but I just was like, I don't want to go. I don't want mm. to go to a swimming pool. Um, but I, I think a lot of people were, um, you know, trying it at, at that point. And then once you've tried it a few times, you realise, you, you understand, don't you? You only have to do it a few times to get almost addicted. And um, you you just realise what people are talking about when they, they say how, how good it is for you. So I think lockdown has been, I wonder if it will continue or people will just go back to the indoor. I don't know. I think it I think it will because I think I think what's happened as a result of lockdown is that people have found you know green places and blue places as in you know you know what I mean but but by water or by trees or you know green spaces they've found places near them that they perhaps wouldn't have found or wouldn't have um felt so close to without lockdown and I think people are suddenly feeling very proud of their little tiny beach or the little scrubby bit of forest land near their house or their park you know you might have just walked past it hundreds of times and never bothered to go into it but because of lockdown it's become your sanctuary and I think a lot of people have found this this places and I and I wonder if that will continue I think it might I think people might be like yeah I don't need to go abroad actually there's amazing places to go in Scotland or or you know wherever you wherever you live because you don't have to go abroad to find these exciting adventures they can be right on your doorstep but you just have to be open-minded to to find them yeah I I definitely um explored my local area more than I have done ever (laughs) and I'm finding more and more places to swim um, I've got my regulars and I quite like sticking to the regulars because they're fairly close to home. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been doing that a lot. But but now I'm thinking actually this summer, I might, I, I'm probably staying home more this summer than I ever have done. I, I used to just be traveling over and over and over. As this summer, I'm looking at being at home a lot more. So I'm thinking, oh, I could try Glen Affric for swimming or I could try. I've got, I, I mean, I'm lucky. I've got all these incredible places on my doorstep. You are lucky. But, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I can me say I can try Glen Africa, but you know, um, I do have areas that are maybe like half an hour, an hour, or an hour and a half away that are just absolutely stunning. That I'll probably try a lot more than I have done in the past. Um, mm-hmm. So it's opened a lot of a lot of doors for me as well. Lockdown, so mm. that's been that's been such a, a wonderful chat. I'm sure that it will have inspired a lot of people to read your book, <laughs> think about um, the well being aspect to to swimming and. Um, you know, maybe maybe give it a try themselves. If if they, you know, if you do try, there's just certain things to be to be careful of, and just maybe see if you can go with somebody else who knows knows what they're doing. I would say, what do you what do you say about that sort of thing about trying it? Oh, definitely. I mean, even if you know what you're doing, it's easy to get, you know, very. I mean, I got over cold yesterday, and it was a real surprise to me because I've been swimming for years, and um, I just stayed in a little bit too long yesterday and it wasn't even very long, but it just was too much for me on that day. 
Um, and uh, I got not hypothermic, but I was very confused when I got out of the water and I couldn't seem to get myself dry very well. And I just, it took a little while. I knew the signs because I've, you know, I've experienced this before, but, but that's the sort of thing that if you swim, you know, and you're not used to it and you stay in too long, you don't really know that this is happening to you. It's, it can be dangerous. Um, you know, keep it short. It's the water's very cold. It doesn't really get that warm in this country, certainly not in Scotland. Um, you know, there's, there's no prizes for staying in the water a long time. You can just go in for like a minute or two and that's enough. But yeah, definitely go with someone who knows the water, join a local group, um, or do your research ahead. Always have someone with you or, or let someone know where you are, um, and get dry and dressed and get a warm drink into you very quickly, um, as soon as you're out. And that will help because you, your body will continue to cool down for about 20 minutes after you get out of the water, um, which is something a lot of new swimmers don't understand. Um, so if you're very cold in the water, you're going to keep getting colder. So it's very important that you get out before you get to that stage. Yeah, I've only experienced that once uh, where, where I've gone, oh, that was too long. And it was, I can <laughs> tell you when it was, it was, I was in Orkney and it was New Year. So it was freezing. And I swam with the, they're called the polar bears out there, which is such a cool name. And they're such yeah. hardcore. They were, they were, they were in Stromness and we were swimming and they were in for about 20 minutes. And I wasn't quite so used to being in for that long. Um, in that it's obviously really cold up there. Um, and I was thinking, no, I'm going I'm to get out now. And then I realized that I couldn't, um, get my clothes on. I couldn't understand how to put my clothes on. I was like, right, get, got to get home. Um, so, but you, mm-hmm. you, you know yourself, don't you? But it's, it's very important to be, to be safe when swimming. Um, so that was fantastic. Um, can I just ask you to tell the listeners where they can find you so they know where to look you up? Uh, so on Instagram, I've got a page called at wild swimming stories. And that is where I put my just thoughts about swimming, my portraits I take of people, um, and silly selfies that I take. <laughs> like you, I quite like having the odd picture when I'm swimming. And um, yeah, just make, I'm starting to try out taking little films on my, on my phone. It's not something I'm very good at, but I'm, I'm like you, sort of branching out into trying new things just to kind of keep things interesting but you know just just for fun um but yeah that's that's the best place I, I'm very occasionally on Twitter just under Anna Deacon and um that's it brilliant that's that's <laughs> nice and easy it. then while yeah. swimming stories on Instagram <laughs> it's easier than five <laughs> fantastic well thank you so much for joining us today it's a real pleasure speaking to you thanks for having me for listening today I'm truly grateful for you taking the time out to listen in if you feel inspired in any way I'd really appreciate it if you could share or review the show you can also share it on Instagram and tag me or reach out with any thoughts I'm at Margaret Soraya and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode